0: Back to the Hold That Podcast podcast, Brody. How are you? I know you had a uh, interesting weekend. Uh, it is the first LSU game you haven't attended in how long, or haven't? I know the pandemic didn't help with that. How long has it been since you didn't watch an LSU game live?
1: Exactly. Yeah, because I was gonna say I didn't go to all the road games last year, but even then, I'm still like very much locked in covering the game. So it's the first home game I have not first home game I haven't been to, and, and first game I haven't like covered in some way. In, in 4 years since 2017 when i was still in mississippi so yeah it was a a weird experience and and granted half the wedding was like louisiana people so everybody's checking with me because they know i'm a sports writer just being like <laughs> like this you know this like 65 year old uncle phil just being like i need a score update and i'm just like i don't know man i'm trying to enjoy myself and not get yelled at but i got uh, so it was a weird thing of like trying to keep <laughs> up on twitter while also very much not trying to be the guy catching up on twitter but Luckily, because I think I had this fear in the back of my head, and I think we joked about it on the show last week that like, man, my number not that like I care who wins or loses a game, you know, blah blah blah, but like if they would have lost Central Michigan when I was gone, that would have been a very bad look for me. It is <laughs> and that would have It, it is
0: a seismic moment that you would have missed.
1: Yes, well put. Yeah. So I'm kind of like I was inherently rooting for LSU. I will tell you guys that right now. So it was good to see them kind of run away with that. And so, yeah, I would – so then bounce it back to you. It seems like LSU – and obviously I've re the entire game like one or two times now, so I know what happened. But throwing it back to you, it seems like they fixed some, some pretty major issues on offense or at least addressed them. What was your reaction?
0: Yes and no. Like I, I just – I'll say this. The game was a lot of fun. It was – you know, for everything the McNeese game wasn't, you know, we'd like to say that the McNeese game, yes, it was 34 to 7, but it was just kind of a drag all around. It never felt like co- cool things were happening or that LSU was flexing muscle in any part of the game. Um, this was to- totally different. I was very pleased with that. Um, you wrote a story on the th- th- three freshmen um, Dion Smith, Jack Besh, and Corey Kiner, who were awesome. Um, it was really fun seeing uh, our guys moss people. Like, the Dion Smith catch <laughs> was, like, it was one of those where I was, like, literally yelped in the stands. Because... Which one? Shit. <laughs> the one in the end zone. It was the, like...
1: Okay, because, I mean, that one on the sideline was, like, arguably even more absurd. I mean, yeah, he was, he was fantastic. I know, but it, it,
0: it really jolted the crowd, which was a little thin, but yeah. I, it's fine. Um, it was a fun game. I just had this whole thing in the back of my mind that we can dive into later that none of this stuff is going to fly. <laughs> Like, next week. Like, I, I I don't know. I just, I had this feeling, and maybe that is a pessimist in me, that the, the, the start of this year has, has has hurt me, and that I don't want to, like, be like, all right, back. LSU's back, baby. Like, I just don't feel that yet. I need to see it against a good team. And I know that Central Michigan is a pretty decent G5 team, but I don't know. I, I didn't come away being like, all right, it's going to be 31 nothing next week, and we're rolling. I, I didn't feel that way.
1: No, that's that's valid, and I think, in norm, I think if anything, I'm in a slightly more positive spot than you. So look at us, role reversing. But yeah. yeah, I think it's not that I what I think this team is capable was changed or like some major shift. I think I leave that game though, and you're absolutely right. I want to preface that like this is not telling you much about this team. It isn't like showing anything special. It is Central Michigan at the end of the day. They should win this game handily, but I think it's just. It was starting to look really bleak. like I And I think that's why we we're... Maybe that's why you are where you are, and maybe healthily so, is that you weren't as bleak as I was last week. But it was looking bleak. That like this offense doesn't even look like it will be able to do much against Central Michigan. That's kind of how it looked to me. So I'm at least at a point of, all right, it looked like LSU really at least addressed some major flaws in a major way. And I think that is relevant. Do I know if it's going to work against other teams? No, and we'll get to that later. We'll get to that in a second. But I think there is relevance in okay they genuinely seem like they address the tempo stuff and some of that's like that awkward thing of like oh they f- oh wow you learned to do tempo how amazing but but it opened things up in a very real way and like you could see the differences the differences in some of those deep shots downfield the differences in how it kind of opened up things for the run game all that I did see that the that I did see and granted some of it's just they were playing more man than the first two opponents did but you did see openings downfield, all that kind of stuff. You saw Johnson just look more and more comfortable, all that. So I, I do think there's things that, again, I'm not changing my mind that suddenly I think this team's going 9-3 and three again, but I do have more confidence that Mississippi State feels like a pretty even football game, for example, or I do think they can win some other games. So I'm not as panicked about this team, but I'm not like
0: convinced either. So I'm looking at some stats. Mississippi State. Hit me up with the stats. Mississippi State does not have a great pass defense. I don't know if you knew that. So – I guess I, – I don't know. <laughs> I feel like Max threw a lot of one-on-one balls, and you're right. They played a lot more man coverage, which uh, clearly helps LSU's receivers. That is a very young but talented room, but, like, put them one-on-one and Deion Smith is going to reach over you and grab something. Kayshawn is going to do that. You know, all those guys are capable of doing that stuff. Now, I, I know it's, it, it's hard with a small sample size in two to three games. Uh, State has played two games. But um, – yeah, I guess I, I guess I'm I'm just so fascinated to see what they look like this weekend because, a I think it will be obviously the only time they play a decent team since week one. Um, it, it it is a true test of progress. I mean, we can even <laughs> see now. Now I'm dovetailing with my negativity again because uh, can can we discuss UCLA's game this weekend just for a brief moment? <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm struggling with this. And great, I didn't get to watch the game fully, so I don't fully know. But obviously, this is changing how we're going to think about UCLA. I'm not that naive. Like, it is. like. But I have a hard time with this. And it's something I struggle with a lot. That it's like, week one is its own thing. It just is. Like, it's not who either team really is. And it's there's only going to be certain teams are going to have certain advantages, all that kind of stuff. So like, I, I never overreact to week one. If anything, I think I reacted more strongly to the McNeese performance than I did the the UCLA game. But it's tricky because Fresno State
0: it's a is good a team. pretty
1: good football. They're team. good. Like. And this is where my <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna laugh at me, but their head coach is Kalen DeBoer, who is the guy who got Indiana's offense rolling for that wow, eight four Homer season. Homer Alert! Jeez, I know, right? In that 2019 campaign, then and he got Fresno State rolling pretty fast now, and you know he almost beat Oregon and all that. Who then obviously whooped Ohio State. And these things aren't like I hate that transitive property nonsense, but but you know it just proves to you like Fresno State's quality. So I'm not looking at that loss as like, wow, UCLA isn't a good win or anything like that. Because you know what? Sometimes it's just what you see in front of you, man. And UCLA looked like a really good football team against LSU. And they exposed a lot of problems. And now it seems like LSU is addressing them. So it's it's probably somewhere in the middle, which is where my boring mind works. But I it is tricky now because at, at least say if you are an optimist and you thought LSU was going to rebound and all that stuff your rankings and all of that. You could like hedge it to like, yeah, but UCLA is a good loss and all that. And right. Yeah. That does. Like,
0: it loses that luster. The, the narrative after the game for however bummed I was that I was like, okay, well maybe UCLA really is a Pac-12 dark horse. Like maybe they can win this conference. And like, they still could, to be honest, the Pac-12 seems like, I, I was just going to say a mess. This, yeah. But, uh, losing to, even if it's a really good G5 team, uh, isn't the best if we are looking back and, uh, no. reassessing things. Um, but LSU has everything in front of them. I guess I'm just like I'm trying to get myself there where I am like all hyped up and I I think we're gonna kick ass and I, I'm not there yet. I'm just not there. But uh, I will say this weekend was a delight.
1: So yeah, because I don't I don't even want to get to Mississippi State. I do want to talk about this game in a little more depth. Okay. And yeah, I think I think the jump away has to be, and you mentioned it yourself, the freshman and. Norm, and it's not just that, norm, like, oh, young players look good because that happens every year. And normally it's just it's just a, it's its own thing of like, oh wow, that's pretty good. Like, yeah, this young guy's coming along, like a BJ Ojolari last year, right? Or something like right. That. It's like nice. This felt a little different in the sense that it's three freshmen, and they're not the only three, mad, but three offensive freshmen who are coming up in addressing actual problems and I think that's where you can actually get a little excited and by the way for Deion Smith for example it's one game I'm not sure Deion Smith is going to be this guy week to week or anything like that I do kind of think Jack Besh is that guy week to week I do kind of think Corey Kiner might be that guy week to week but anyway the Mm -hmm. point is LSU had big questions all right start running back John Emery's ineligible still, and we'll see what's going to happen with that this week. I think they're hoping to get an answer in the next few days. Yeah, still. yeah.
0: Can you give me a brief update, or I- if any, like um,
1: not too much yet. Uh, as of now, you know his attorney's still saying, you know, I think he will know more by Wednesday, and we're recording this on Tuesday. But yeah, they are. He is hopeful he can get some kind of
0: you know decision made they, by this week they want they want him to be eligible this early. weekend, right? Like that that was the goal. They are still
1: trying for that. Correct. Okay. Yeah, uh, but still, it's just I think they don't know anything yet. Um, so yeah, John Emery's out, and then Ty Davis Price, somebody who I've always defended is just the definition of reliable and all that. He's gonna get your yards. Again, I'm the least critical person I know. It's just not working out. Uh, he is averaging I think three or below yards per carry, and it's his style. It's great if you have a solid offensive line, yep. even like an average one, where it's like, man, just take your yards and get it. That's great. But they don't have the offensive line. That is just the reality, and I think we're at the point where you just need to accept that is the truth, and that will be the truth going forward.
0: Here's so here's our, somebody. I will tell you. Yeah, I, will, I will tell you the flash that showed me this was in in the game on Saturday, and I know the offensive line did it a little better, but still, they weren't running yeah. the ball fantastically. But that last touchdown run from Corey Kiner, where he looked like Clyde edwards alaire in the backfield, which let's focus on that. He had a tackler in the backfield, <laughs> and he he yeah spun him out, made him look stupid and ran into the end zone for a touchdown. I Perfect don't, I, I don't think Ty Davis price is doing that. Ty Davis price not, g- he's gets ahead of steam downfield, and he is running you over. And you know, I was remembering that touchdown run they had against Florida in 2019, where he's just straight downhill. And Oh, oh my God, he's Great gone. Run. Wow. Yeah. Holy, Holy cow. He's gone. And Kiner is like, I don't know, a little shiftier. Maybe that's what we need a little more. I mean, he, he has really popped in his time against in these garbage games. Um, so I am kind of hoping he's out there on the first series. I mean, no slight to Ty Davis Price, but maybe kind of just fits a little better into the scheme right now.
1: Yeah, no, I, th- I think you put that just perfectly. Is that it's not? Yeah, it's the idea that his best plays still weren't the O line giving him much, and and it's not even just about because Armani got Goodwin brings that same thing. It mm-hmm. really just like creates some dynamic playmaking. But it's not just about. Guy in the backfield now making a miss. And I'm going for a big run. I think the thing that sold me on being like, hey, I actually think he should start now. And I'm so not reactionary like that. Is it was actually for me more about the plays where it was just kind of, you know, just a stale, not much there, but not like blown up plays where he still just hit the hole fast. Yeah. It wasn't that he like was powerful, even though he is. It wasn't like it was that he just got to the hole quicker than Davis Price does. And he turned those should be a one yard runs into like, four yarders and it wasn't that he did some cool move to create four yards he just got there faster and moved it forward for three or four yards and I know that sounds one of those like no shit Sherlock things but that is the difference I think is that it's not even just the playmaking it's that simplicity of being more explosive and I think that's what kind of sold me it's hey he's not just a playmaker he's actually going to help you better on a play-by-play basis so I really did believe that and still again our, our wonderful caveat very small sample size 12 carries but I really think that matters so the idea of having him and then you get Armani Goodwin back and they I, from what I understand they still did not get a Trey Bradford decision before the game, yes or no. So they're still hoping he can come back soon. Um, you know, so he might be available and then who knows what's happening with John Emery. I don't know who the starter is gonna be in reality, oh but just the idea of getting some dynamic playmaking is so essential there. Can you like, now, can you write we'll a
0: go. book on the running back room in the first three weeks, like after the season? Like shit.
1: You're not wrong, man. I mean, because obviously the Kevin Falk tragedy and our thoughts are with him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. John,
1: and then John Emery. Tight oh, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Oh this God. is a pretty wild room. Um, and then to move on to receiver slash tight end if we want to do that. Like, again, receiver is always going to be fine. I don't think any of us were like receivers in trouble. But nope. we've been talking for six months now about who in the world will be the second guy. Like, you know, Keyshawn Butte is the guy. He's a star. But... Like there's a lot of talent two through eight, but who's the guy? Who will be the guy Johnson can trust? And again, I'm not saying Deion Smith is, but that was huge. And it wasn't even just that he made the plays, it was something about the way Johnson, like, from that first snap, felt comfortable just attacking in a way he mm-hmm. hadn't looked comfortable and just saying, like, I see Deion Smith, I'm throwing to Deion Smith. That is something. So that's huge. And Jack Besh, tight obviously he's not really a tight end, but still him becoming that guy who it's not like he's like, Deion Smith or something, but he's just become that safety blanket guy. It's like yeah. whenever it's like thirty nine, they get him to him for six yards, and then he takes it for twelve. You know, that is essential. you get him those like play actions into the flat. All he's, that. A, he's a mismatch really, guy,
0: man. You put you put a linebacker yeah. on him, and he's burning by him, even though he looks like a tight end. And like, I don't know, I, I really like him. And he he popped a couple times in the UCLA game early. I remember a couple Absolutely. nice little crossing yeah. routes that Max hit him on. So I'm a big Jack Bush fan. I I, I thought they and he then a winning that one on one. Man.
1: With the, one, the one-on-one with the one-handed catch was yes. any other game. That's the number one highlight, and it was, like, the fourth. But right. Yeah. We'll g- I mean, so, yeah, I think Besh is – I mean, again, Deion Smith had, like, the more exciting day, and who knows, Besh might be better over time. But, I mean, Smith might be better over time. But Besh right now was LSU's second best skill play. Like, I actually feel confident saying that. Like, he is the most reliable. He can win deep balls. He's the matchup guy. Like, again, that sounds crazy, but I believe it. And you know what he also did, I noticed? All th- – because the first half of that game he really killed them with those like like we said those short passes and it was they'd be in zone and he was like their zone breaker. He was the guy who they would be in zone and I, and then all of a sudden Johnson would immediately recognize that and then immediately hit him in that slot for like 6 yards. Like and that's another trust thing that matters. It's like he knows the second he sees a certain coverage he was going to him and I and again I just think that really matters. So it's not about oh, man, freshmen look good. And shoot, Ogeron went as far as saying this might be the most talented freshman class he's had yet, which is saying something. But it's just the idea that they all stepped up in the exact spots LSU was desperate for somebody.
0: Right. All right. You might be talking to me. I might be stepping a couple steps back from hey, Doing the it edge. against
1: the SEC will be different.
0: Okay, let's <laughs> let's do a nice transition there because I feel like there's this weird dichotomy in my brain where LSU still feels like they might be bad after they uh, they kind of hurt me in week one. But the SEC kind of seems like a mess uh, I mean do you agree
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know yet and I know that's because I think A&;m is still better than like that Colorado game looked and by the way I don't think Colorado is particularly
0: better. I don't know big dog I don't know a&- so I was well, uh, like what, what I was gonna too.
1: say um, Mr. Contr- you know pain in the ass is yeah, me. I'm just um, <laughs> is that I think this weekend's going to tell us so much across the SEC. Obviously, it's the first like real week of SEC play for most of the SEC, and it's Arkansas versus a And think we're going to learn a lot there, and because a And M is like, I mean, Arkansas is like everybody's team in America right now, right? And mm-hmm. like, every, I mean, everyone loves them. I love them. Shoot, I mean, I I had money on them against Texas that day, and, <laughs> but. I do feel like I think AM's a five point favorite. I feel like this reeks of one of those games where like AM sh- reminds you that there is a gap still. Like just in terms of overall ability and all that. I just it feels like that to me. I kind of think A and also uh, Calzada, I believe is his name. I believe, you know, that he was thrown into that Colorado game and I think he showed last week against New Mexico like some much more explosive abilities in the game so I have a gut feeling am routes this one that's either way your point still stands but like whoever wins that game we're gonna feel pretty good about like we're gonna feel really good about that we're gonna feel um, Tennessee Florida' is probably gonna tell us something like if Florida's legit um and then the question is I guess where do you come where do you stand on Penn State Auburn last week where do you leave that game thinking Auburn's just not that good I don't know you tell me
0: no, I actually thought Auburn showed out a little more than I thought they would. Okay. I thought right. they I, I thought they would be a little intimidated with... There's a new coach. They've kind of had a mess of an offseason with COVID stuff, and Harson might have had some disconnects with the boosters there, and it, it just seems like they were a little disorganized. And then to be within a fade call on fourth and goal of possibly tying a game in a whiteout in yeah. Happy Valley... Um, a little scary for me as an LSU fan that they Cuz you kind of
1: looked at that as like an assumed win when the season started. For Auburn? LSU no, I'm saying I'm sorry. As an LSU fan, before oh, the yes. season, you kind of thought Auburn before we knew what happened with UCLA, you kind of thought, and so did I, that LSU would beat Auburn. Like that's a win at home. Yes. I, and I guess you're probably not feeling as confident now.
0: I mean, all right, I the two sides of my brain, unbiased, says yes, a little scary. That I that you know, Auburn showed that much against a Penn State team that has proven itself to be pretty good already this year. Two really good wins, probably two better wins than a lot of people in the country have right now. So, yes, a little worrisome. B. I have always been the biggest Bo Nicks hater on the planet. I don't think he's good. Like I, <laughs> he's he has never impressed me, and I I, I know that he has. The Bama game from 2019, and of course, I was rooting for them then because I did not want to see Alabama anywhere near a playoff ranking. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I just don't think he's good, and I, I don't think he's made. And I'm not even counting LSU last year; uh, that was a lost year, lost game, and maybe that's stupid of me. I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. So, no, fact, I can't. Like, I, mean, I was a BoniX defender
1: for two years, and I'm officially just like, yeah, it's just not it. It's okay. It's over.
0: I can, yeah. It's over. So. Look, it, it's going to be way different if LSU show, has a good showing this weekend and then it's 8 p.m., Death Valley. I mean, a full stadium for the first time in two years probably. Um, I don't know. I think LSU has a lot of stuff going its way. Uh, but let's get through this weekend first. Um, also, I would like to do uh, – I was doing some multitasking in the background because you said that a uh, and looked good against New Mexico. New Mexico's garbage.
1: No, I'm just – I'm not saying, like, that's an impressive win. I just meant, like, hey, the quarterback, you know, like he was thrown to Colorado. At least he showed, like, he can run an offense explosive. Like, that's all I meant. I didn't mean, like, wow, I really told me he's the guy. I just meant, like, all right, the Colorado game might not be exactly what he is. All right, um, here's
0: here's the Chris Branch report. Out on Bo Nix forever. Out on A&M, no. AM until I see them beat Arkansas by two touchdowns.
1: No, so I, I meant to jump in there and correct myself, like, I don't mean to imply. I'm not actually arguing anything you said. Like, I was more just like thinking out loud and like trying to figure out like what I think of the SEC. No, I, I, I agree with you all. I think where I'm at with the SEC is I agree there's just no assurances. You know, like normally it's like, I know these three teams are good. I mean, to be right. fair, I do be right. I do know Bama and Georgia are good. But yeah, yes. after that, like, I don't know. So yeah, it's like A&M might be really good. I just don't know. All, Florida, shoot, I mean, Florida almost beat pama like florida might be but i still
0: don't
1: i don't know whole... I, I have no yeah, idea I what to make it. of
0: that game i'm not gonna lie i was at the tailgate i watched the i watched alabama go up 21-3 and i was like i'm gonna get some food i don't want to watch this anymore like i know how this ends kind of what i and, did too because that's what and i then all, to back, all of a sudden an hour and a half later like everybody's like hey uh florida has a chance to win the game i was like what no <laughs> sorry i'm when um i don't know i mean does that mean both of them are worse than we expected or does it mean that they're, they're better the two than the best team looks. in the SEC? Yeah. yeah.
1: That's the thing. Yeah, I, I just don't know. And then yeah, the same thing. Like Auburn, it's like, "Hey, shoot, we just start we we're just talking about how sometimes like you can't knock a team off because of a close loss." So it's like, I don't know what I think of Auburn. So I agree with your point actually. Oh, and then we just left out Ole Miss who looks like kind of world beaters right now. And uh, that's they, they actually are, they, but yeah, they look really good.
0: I wrote I wrote about Matt Corral in the newsletter this week because like he might be the best quarterback in the country. Like it's Ooh. it's hard to it's hard Can to I argue against that right
1: now. Can I gloat? Yeah, permission to gloat not really gloating, but but like, uh, so I want to say it was end of the season or maybe like first week of February. We did like an SEC writers, like roundtable thing. And it was just kind of like the season's over. We're looking ahead to next year. Like what storylines are we watching? What coaching things do we expect to happen? All that stuff. And it ended with like, what is your wild way too early prediction for what's going to happen in 2021? And I, and this was like really early in the, in the discourse. I was like, I'm going to say Mac Carroll wins a Heisman, not because I think he will, but because if he does, like when he looks good, he looks like the best quarterback in the world. When he looks mm-hmm. bad, he looks terrible. But it's like mm-hmm. if we see more good, yeah, he's exciting as anything. Like he could absolutely win a Heisman. So I'm just going to gloat at that, that absurd, stupid pick. Uh, suddenly he's now the Heisman frontrunner. So I very rarely correct on these things. So I have to draw attention to what I might be.
0: I mean, I hate to say it, but it looks like Lane's kind of putting it together. I, I know that they yeah. haven't played. Amazing teams, but like like you said, Played good you know, the, teams. The the Ole Miss LSU game last year, what I I don't even remember. I, I'm gonna look it up right now, but I feel like it was every possession. It was either Corral was gonna throw an interception or a touchdown, no matter what. Pretty
1: sure he threw five interceptions, didn't he? Yeah, was that what it was? Six. Yeah, I mean it was it was six six interceptions. That can't be real. Oh my goodness. Yes, uh, yeah, so six like, intercept. And it's like if we're being honest, if he makes that three, do they win that? No, game? it was, you know it was what I mean? five. It was five interceptions. Ah, okay, so okay, but yeah, like still, right, I mean,
0: the the point remains.
1: He, if that's three, do they win that game? Probably, it, or even yes. two. Like, yes. if it seems like he's a quarterback he who's less likely to throw five, yeah. And their defense, again, no one's expecting it to be world beaters, but if it's as good as it's looked at least these few weeks, where it's like will stop make some stops. They're they're very, very scary in the SEC West, and that old Miss mm-hmm. Bama game next week is going to be chef's kiss incredible. So yeah. yeah, I I love that. And so yeah, my so anyway, it goes back to like my thesis and then we can move on to next this week. Is just my thing with the SEC right now is I don't know about anyone, but there still to me feels like six teams that might be top ten teams. Does that makes sense. Like yeah. I just don't know. Anyway, so classic Brody cop out. Um <laughs> All right, so do we want to move on to State?
0: Sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, did you get a chance to watch the State-Memphis game?
1: I did not at all, actually, so I would love to hear your thoughts.
0: I watched some highlights. It is, it is just – Mike Leach – I know I've probably mentioned this once before to you that it feels like Mike Leach has taken his Washington State tenure and just, like, crammed it into a year and a half already. Like – He's saying a lot of stuff about vaccines and weird internet stuff that I'm sure he's reading on some Reddit forum. Uh, his teams are A, beating LSU last year, looking insane, and then like cratering, just absolutely yep. like dissolving as a team last year. And then this year, they're just doing that. Like, you never know what could happen in a state game. And they probably should have won that game because the referees should have. Did you see the punt return? Yes, yes, I did. I mean, I know that's to the letter of the rule, but, like, come on. That should – the ball should have been down. Like, State probably should win that game. But I do think it was illustrative that, A, Memphis is a really good G5 team. Yep. And Mississippi State is a mediocre at best SEC team. Yeah, so, so – I feel comfortable with that. I don't feel like – and maybe this is just because I am a hater from the other side. I don't – like – it just feels like that is what Mississippi State is. I I don't know if there's a lot of growth there. Or like, this is just what they're going to be. They are Mississippi State. They you know they they don't have a transcendent quarterback this year. They don't have a lot of transcendent talent, and it's going to be a Mike Leach team. Like maybe they'll score seventy four one week. Maybe they'll score eleven, and uh, a good team is going to beat the dirt out of them, and a bad team is going to struggle, and we'll see where LSU falls. <laughs> so. What
1: makes me evaluating this Mississippi State team so tricky is that they take their, they've take they're taken the the scheduling style, and I don't know if it was intentional, but it worked out this way this year, that I love, actually, where there is no, like, holy crap marquee non-conference game, but all three have been legitimate top, I don't know, 50, 60 teams in the country. Like, they have played Louisiana Tech, which is always one of the—Skip Holtz mm-hmm. always makes them one of the more respectable you know, group of five schools, NC State, who is a pretty good football team, quite frankly, and Memphis, who obviously has been one of the better G5 teams for years now. So it's like three straight games against teams that are very respectable. And, you know, you and I, are, I believe, are both Bill Connolly, you know, SP plus numbers guys. And uh, if you look at his postgame win expectancy, which, you know, is basically a metric of all, all just data and factors considered, like who should have won that game based on predictable things. 97% against Tech. So even though it was a one point game, they really controlled it. Uh, even like they outplayed them, I should put it. NC State, 91%. And Memphis in the loss, 93%, which is crazy for that. So like they clearly should have. They Point being, Mississippi State is a better team than it might look. And what's tricky about it, Mississippi State, is that they, it actually hasn't been like we think of them and we just think power offense, exciting, air raid, and all that. I don't trust this offense in the slightest, if I'm being really honest. It's Zach Arnett's defense that actually is the thing that you need to worry about, where they actually, you know, they're 18th in SP plus defensively. They're they're pretty darn good against the run defensively, which obviously is LSU's weakness. And, you know, they're really good. They still they allow some big plays, which helps LSU a little bit, but they're pretty good against success rate. You know, they stop you on a play-by-play basis. So it's more like. I'm actually just a little more intrigued by that. Zach Garnett, you may remember LSU actually interviewed for its defensive coordinator opening, but decided that they didn't think it was quite the right fit. So right. but I, I don't know where I feel about NC State because at least when like with an LSU, you saw them play one, we we believe pretty darn good team. And then we also saw what they look like against weaker teams, which in some ways is a better teacher. while Mississippi State, it's three teams that are constantly testing them. so it's like, are there flaws? real flaws or are they just playing quality teams or are their strengths real strengths or are they not quite playing great teams? You can't quite be sure about either. Does that make any sense or am I rambling like a psychopath?
0: No, no, no. It makes total sense. Um, I hadn't thought about them playing pretty good teams every week. I just, I don't know. I, I don't trust the man up top and I, I don't either. It just feels like, like I, I look back at every year when Leach would play, you know, it was before Jimmy Lake's tenure kind of really, really went downhill very quickly. If you notice, at Washington, yes. uh, they are they are just not a good football team. But I loved it. Like it was like what is it was four or five years ago? He was the defensive coordinator at Washington, and they would play the Apple Cup every year. And he would be like, "They do the same shit every year, and we defend yep. them the same way, and they beat the crap out of them every year." And I'm like, that, "That's fully formed, Mike Leach. Like, can we figure that out? Can we? <laughs> can we study? Teams like, most seem to have." can we study five apple cups and cover a crossing route and like win? I, it. this is very much me literally speaking from my kitchen on a microphone. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> but like sometimes I, I love what, that to just set perspective. Like, yeah, why are you listening to us? <laughs> but, but like, but at the same time, like I, I just, I, I hope we can figure it out. I hope Durante Jones can figure it out. I, you know, the pressure's on. I mean, this is kind of uh Nicely transition into a, a, a point of anxiety. I wrote on our show rundown, where I'll just read what I wrote. You know what I don't like? Feeling like every upcoming game is insanely important for a program that feels on the brink. Am I yes. crazy for thinking that?
1: No, no. I, I think that's that's well put. Because I mean, this is really the first game we're going to get any actual sense of what we think. Like we said, first games are hard. Also UCLA is a pretty good team. And then these two games you don't really you're not going to make much of the positives all that. So it's like we're finally figuring out what it is and there are as much as we talk about we don't know how good the top of the SEC is. I do actually feel like there're no bad teams in the SEC West anymore. Like literally mm-hmm. none. LSU yep. might be the baddies. Like mm, and that's mm, that's the the, the the tough thing. So no, you're absolutely right and it's going to make this so fascinating is that Again, we're going to learn a lot about Daronte Jones for all the reasons you just said about you know can you adjust to a Mike Leach offense? Can you prepare for it like and see the data that's clearly been out there for all these years? You're absolutely right about it. that's going to tell us a lot. But what I'm and it goes back to my thing about them actually like their defense is more interesting to me than their offense is. I don't know LSU's defense overall probably still rates better than its its offense. You know, like again they did just lose Andre Anthony all that and mm-hmm. I don't I think we're going to mention that at the end, but. The defense as a whole to me, like, yeah, they gave up like a garbage time coverage bust against Central Michigan. Overall, I'm sorry. I think the defense looked good last two weeks. They did. They did. So I'm not out on this defense, but we are. But I still have no idea what to think of Durante Jones. You're going to find a lot about him against Mississippi State, but what's really, really going to, I think, decide this game, because I have a feeling LSU's defense will hold its own here. What's going to tell us this game is, do you buy what LSU's offense showed against Central Michigan? Because Mississippi State, as much as I just said, their defense is pretty solid, the one thing they don't do well is they allow. Ex- Wait, I'm mixing up my thoughts here. I was actually back to the defense. Wow, brutal moment there for the Broadster. <laughs> Mississippi State. <laughs> Go on, <laughs> it's fine. Right, Brody, get together. Mississippi State's offense moves the ball. Success rates high, all that stuff. They move the ball, but they, they, struggle, they are not explosive. So if you are making a case for what LSU is going to be this year, Or, like, for what they're going to do this, LSU is a brutal explosiveness allowed defense. They allow, even their their success rates are actually pretty good. They just allow explosive play after explosive play. That is exactly what Mississippi State does not threaten you with right now. So, if you believe in what LSU's defense has shown, you actually should believe that they should be able to contain Mississippi State's defense because they don't put the ball behind you that often. So, it all really comes down to, and I'm sorry for the wild journey there, it really will come down to do you believe in what you saw from LSU's offense Saturday. Because if that's true, I think that's their chance for winning it. They need the offense to
0: step up. I I think I do, to be honest, especially against maybe a middling defense. And I know they've allowed a lot of yards. But like you said, they've played some good teams. Um, I don't know. I saw, no matter the opponent, I did see some confidence this weekend. I saw, like you said, it was nice to, Max saw one-on-one coverage and pulled. And he threw the ball. You know, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of stress. There wasn't a lot of worry. Yep. I mean, you know, my worry in the moment was like, oh, if he does that, you know, willy-nilly against a good defense, like, some of those balls might get picked off. Like, I mean, not to burst a bubble here, but the pass to Dion Smith was underthrown. Like, a good DB <laughs> picks that off, and Dion reached over and said, mine, and pulled it back. So, <laughs> shout out to Deion Smith for that. But I hope he has that confidence going in. I hope that the – let's – Let's go back to our the theme of this podcast so far. I hope the offensive line protects him. Like, I feel like you saw against UCLA what pressure did to him, and I hope it was a great learning moment for him. Like I told you, like after that week one, that I felt bad for him because everybody was gonna be like, "Oh my God, these stupid throws that you made, like the behind the back pass," and like he's a smart kid. I'm sure he knows that. But I don't want him seeing ghosts back there. I don't. I don't want to regress. So that's what I'm looking for. I think if they protect Max, I think LSU would be fine. Yeah, but what's your confidence level there? I don't know. That's the thing. I I have no even – I couldn't even tell you a number because they did look good against Central Michigan. We we just don't have the data on, quote-unquote, new LSU slash LSU that has learned from its mistakes against UCLA, against the UCLA team that we don't even know how good they are. It's just – it's all kind of wide open. I like to think that they're going to be healthy enough and the focus is going to be there. I mean – We can kind of go into uh, what I was saying about the program on the brink and specifically its head coach. Like I keep saying, Ed Ogeron's calling card is A, recruiting, and B, motivation. Like people want to run through a wall for him. This is the time. This is when he has to do it because if it's a loss, oh, it feels bad for Ed. It feels real bad for Ed if we lose two two straight years in Mississippi State and you start the season two and two uh it doesn't feel with, great with two
1: losses against the only two good teams you would have played yeah
0: doesn't feel wonderful so i would like to think that edo's run has the team ready to run through a wall and maybe they go up 28 nothing and i'm feeling great but i need to see it i hope i see it i have no idea
1: yeah, and it's going to tell us so much because it's going to be the first week in a long time where they're pretty healthy. You know, they're not going to still mm-hmm. have like Len Logan, Andre Anthony's out, but still, like Jay Ward should be back. Armani Goodwin should be back. Actually, Jay Ward's still pretty up in the air, but I have a gut feeling he'll be back. Yeah, so you're going to have a lot of those guys healthier. that Ollie Gay, sorry, is that a big one?
0: Yeah. It's
1: going to tell us a lot more. It's tough because, yeah, if they lose, and again, I am not here talking about like fire at ogeron or what I think. I don't know, but. If you lose, it just sets a slippery slope of, uh, okay, th- let's let's you know to keep using Bill Connolly's metrics and all that. This one is literally a toss-up. I think it's a fifty-one percent Mississippi State, forty-nine percent LSU win right now. It's like a point four projected margin. Like it's a toss-up. So if you lose this though. All right, 44% chance against Auburn, according to this. 59% against Kentucky. 33% against Florida. 30% against Ole Miss. 14%, obviously, against Bama. Arkansas is only 57%. UL Monroe's a win, and then AM's 34%. Like, if you're looking at their odds using these analytics of, of finishing with X amount of wins, their most likely scenario is six wins. Like, and if oh, you lose this, it kind of confirms that in a lot of ways. And it sets a slippery slope up. All right, if you lose this, do you really think you beat Auburn? If you lose this with how Kentucky's offense has looked lately and how they actually have really looked like a good team and yes. they're always one of the biggest pain in the ass teams in the SEC to play because mm-hmm. they're so well coached on the road, do you feel good about that? It's like what game in the world do you point to where you're sure about it? And that's what it's scary. It's not like you can't lose this and then still Go eight and four. I totally think you can. Right. Like you're talented enough, but it's more like if you lose this, what does it say? And I think that is just the scary part. And O'Ghan's not going to get fired or anything like that because he loses the Mississippi State, but it's going to set a huge chain of events.
0: The storm clouds will come and brewing and you know, your words directly to my anxious heart because <laughs> it's not not going to be fun after that. I'm, I'm like, because you said like, I, I, the rest of the SEC is decently good. LSU doesn't play any bad teams. LSU's not playing Vanderbilt yep. this year. They get to go to a really good Kentucky team that has a Mark Stoops head coach that will probably get hired somewhere big unless Kentucky decides to really value football. They have um, man, they've poured in resources. Yeah, I know, I know, but like I like I feel like he's going to be on the shortlist for any big job in the country this year because yeah. of the job he's done there. So, um, yeah, a little scary, but I still feel okay about this weekend. I feel like. Every time Coach O has been on the mat, he at least has the guys fired up. And like you said, I mean, the talent is there. That's what I keep coming back to. The talent is there. Now, are you developing it well? Are you putting them in the right spots to succeed? Uh, maybe. We'll see. But I got to feel like those guys are going to be fired up. And I like our chances against Mike Leach. That's all. Like, I, no, <laughs> ma- no matter what happened last year, last year was a disaster. But – I still like our chances against a Mike Leach coach team. Not gonna and, lie. And
1: yeah, and again, this is a lazy outlook, but I think it can sometimes be the most informative way to look at things. Is okay if you know, we yeah you know, we use the word talent and all that and we've discussed before how it can be a flawed way to talk about things. But if LSU is more talented and their experience, all that, if LSU shows up in a way they're possible, they're capable of, they should win this game. So, and again, that's no no shit Sherlock. Again, my new catchphrase today. But still, there, there's a way of viewing that of if you lose, it's telling you more about what's wrong with LSU than it's telling you how great Mississippi State is. I do actually kind of believe that. So it's like, there is something informative about it. Because if LSU wins, it means, hey, they probably are starting to get things some things rolling. And if they lose... It means there are real problems. It means that things just haven't been figured out. And that is kind of, I think, an informative way of thinking about this game is this is the 50-50 game. Arguably the only, like, again, if you believe some of these analytics on that, the only true 50-50 game on the schedule left. So it's like, this is the decision game. This is the tell you what's the reality game. And that's what makes this so fascinating. It's on the road. So it's going to tell us anything about that. Uh and my gut tells me LSU wins. It does, but my brain doesn't. So, uh, you know, my brain tells me Mississippi State might know what they're doing a little bit more. So, I don't know. What is your your final pick?
0: <sighs> well, I Not, was going to ta- give the score, but yeah. no, no, no. I was going to tell you a terrible uh, simile thing that I have going on. Oh, I love a good simile. Have you Have you ever bought a bad watermelon?
1: I I don't buy watermelon often. I know I just ruined
0: your moment. Should I have lied there? No, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah, like right. you you walk by the watermelons at the grocery store, the grocery store has spritzed them up with some water to make them look better than they are. <laughs> um, they're looking great. It's the summer. It's hot. You want a watermelon, but like you don't know if it's good until you get home and actually slice into it. And then watermelons are usually pretty big, so you slice into it and it's mealy and gross. And you're it's it's a huge bummer. You got you have this huge thing to throw in the trash can. Nobody's gonna like it. But a beautifully ripe, crisp watermelon is. Wonderful, and I, I still feel like I haven't sliced into the watermelon yet. I don't know. Okay, okay. My, I love that.
1: I my, didn't know where you were going to go with that. I think you landed it.
0: My first bite of the season was bad, but, I, you know, maybe it was just the end. Maybe it was just the rind that is not going to taste good anyway, and we haven't gotten to the center. So I'm hoping LSU's ripe.
1: That was a great – man, love that. I, I no, i I, I steal that. No, I think it's a, and that's just a really good way to put it, and it's, it's just it's – I'm going to repeat myself for the thousandth time here, but it's just—it's the first time we will learn what this team actually is.
0: Here's here's what I think is going to happen, Brody, and it's it's good and bad. I think LSU wins the game. I think it is dumb. I think Ooh, there's going to yeah. be I think there's going to be some shenanigans. I don't feel like I'm going to come out of this game feeling like man, five and three in the SEC, like things are on track. But it's going to be a win. It's going to be some. win where somebody does something stupid to lose the game and then we're going to go through the cycle over and over again until LSU plays a really good team in Auburn so I I do think it'll be a win because I just I don't think last year's going to happen and you know it's funny to look back at last year's game and for all the yards that State put up it was still what a one possession game (laughs) Yeah, Uh, on LSU's worst team in a long time so I know Miles was playing quarterback, and he made a lot of good throws, and they still had Terrace, and they still had all these people that uh, – oh, Kathy on my doorbell there. Congrats. But um, <laughs> I do think that uh, LSU pulls it out. I don't know if I'll feel as good. I don't know if I'll find out if the watermelon is ripe, but I do think LSU pulls it out. Do you agree with me?
1: I do think LSU pulls it out, and you're kind of convincing me because I keep saying like – yeah, we're going to find out what you is. You're probably actually right, because I feel like the Mississippi State game next to maybe Auburn is like the one game every year where it's just like, it's not indicative of what other, like, it's just kind of like, a street fight's not the right word, that's a bit of an overused cliche, but it's like stuff just happens, and like you play like I feel like Mississippi State. We've seen LSU a few times. They play almost like more conservative in a way, and there's just mm-hmm. like a, a physicality to it and things like that. Like I remember 2019 when they had the best offense like ever. There was still like kind of a conservative run the ball game play in that game and all that. It was so like yeah. So I, I kind of like what you're saying here. I I like that prediction. So part of me says it'll be like a 31-23 LSU win like. They never run away with it, but they're kind of in control and like one of those and the defense makes some big plays. I will predict LSU to win and, and, and just for the fun of it, I'll say they cover the the three, I believe, point spread.
0: They're favored by three. LSU. Yes. Yes. I'd take the Tigers on that. I, I would. Uh, I, I would be nervous about it the whole game because Well that like, this
1: the honest answer is you stay the hell away from this game, sir. You do not bet this game. <laughs> No. I
0: I do not bet the Tigers. That is not a thing that I even want to subject myself to. So, um, you, you never want to feel like uh, you are sad in an LSU win if they don't cover a point spread. That's not my philosophy.
1: So I do feel like the under is the move. I feel like it opened at fifty seven or fifty six. I feel like the under is the move here. I think people yeah. just haven't quite accepted that Mississippi State's defense is good. Like they just don't understand that. And also, you know what I'm also, not
0: LSU- going to do is bet an under on a team that I care about. That, that like is the work. smartest rule in the world, actually. That that sounds, is a, oh, stop. Please stop scoring points.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Again, there's the whole thing. Yeah. I, I bet a lot of unders in this world because that no one else wants them. shit. I bet a lot of them because of nobody likes betting them, so you tend to get good numbers on them. That's the actual That's truth. Fair. But, yeah, you never – because but still, you don't want to watch the game when you're under because who wants to enjoy that? So, yeah, nope, definitely not no when you're in it. for your own team. Um, and then we wanted to end it just by – Quickly, really quickly, we'll let you guys go. Just mentioning Andre Anthony, right? And I'll, I'll say this. He's a guy who, I mean, Andre Anthony obviously is out for the season. and I have a piece up today at The Athletic, you know, basically just talking about how sad of a situation this is and just in what's next and all that. And you can read that to figure out what's next and all that. But it's just a sad story because he's a guy who academically ineligible in 2016. That's right. He's going to turn 25 this season, by the way. he's Which is it's crazy. crazy academically ineligible in 16. Then finally comes back, injures his foot and misses all 17. Then Caleb goes down for all of 18. You think like, oh, Andre Anthony will step up and he just doesn't. He's struggling as a three, four outside linebacker. Same thing in 19, just really doesn't have a role. So that's four years into his career. Then 2020, he a- finally gets his chance and quite frankly, plays pretty solid football, but the mm-hmm. defense is just historically bad. And right. now this year is playing his best football four sacks, a scoop and score touchdown on Saturday. The leader of the defense, like everything is turning up Andre Anthony, a guy who like T-Bob and I used to call like the that guy all-stars because it would be like you would just like list guys as like, mm-hmm. "Oh, yeah, Andre Anthony, Ray, Ray Thornton, yeah, like they're there for depth too." You know, like, you just mention them but like they're never going to do anything, and he proved me wrong. So it's just sad to kind of see this this ending for him.
0: I agree. I mean, he is 25 because I was looking back at it and he was in the 2016 recruiting class. <laughs>
1: it's bonkers. I believe he'll turn 25 in November and also he was exploring options for him to come back. So he might be a 26 year old college football player.
0: Okay. So that that was going to be my last thing because you covered that very well. I don't have much to add to just say I'm sad about it because you know, that was a great play in the stadium on Saturday too. Stingley knocks it loose. Andre brings it back. It was like, The defense is here they're they're making shit happen like it was cool so after all that I feel bad for him he posted he posted that Instagram that is in the same format of guys who are going to the league or who are saying bye like I understand that he's addressing people I so are you telling me that LSU is looking into bringing him back for another year seeing if it's possible
1: I think it's unlikely, but yeah, I've, I've, especially now that COVID has thrown the ultimate wrench in it, I'm officially just giving up on understanding who like eligibility because does he want to? I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's the whole other thing. It's like, do you want to come? It's like the Miles Brennan thing. It's like, do you want to come back for year seven? But yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was playing good football. Who knows? Like, but so I would assume he's not back. I'm just saying. He uses academic red, like he redshirted because of academics. But then the second one was medical, but like it didn't technically count as a redshirt year. But like maybe you can argue it was, and and all that. And this is obviously going to be a medical one. And it's just like I just and then COVID obviously doesn't count against 2020. Doesn't count against eligibility at all, which is why he's back this year. But still, I just genuinely don't know, and I'm admitting ignorance, but LSU had said they are looking into options. That's all I okay. I have, information I have. But I would assume his career is over.
0: Well, keep tabs on that for me, v writer. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> well, I, I do say I'm really sad for him. I'm, I know that he was just coming into his own. So uh, that's a bummer. Uh, I hope LSU's defense – I mean, and outside of the emotional part, LSU's got to fill that hole. Like, he's a good player. On a really good defense, or I don't want to say really good, but he was a really good player on a defense that needed really good players. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, can't wait to be super stressed this weekend. Uh, <laughs> 11, 11 a.m. mimosa kickoff. Um I don't know how I feel about that. I'm sure you're thrilled that you'll have a home I am
1: absolutely thrilled, especially because I stay in Jackson for both, like, the Mississippi school games because they just impossible to get a hotel in those small college towns. Right. So it right. means I don't have to, like, be driving home at 2 in the morning. Yeah, I'm pretty happy.
0: Well, I guess I'm happy for you, uh, Brody. But, um, you know, I like my night games or afternoon games, whatever. You'll still get them at home. It's a road game. You'll live. I guess. Well, I hope LSU wins. <laughs> <laughs> um birdie last question for you uh yeah. this is a bonus for people what kind of wedding guy are you oh so
1: i'm still like i'm gonna be honest with you i'm kind of new to weddings still a little bit because like you know i just turned 27 like most of my friends haven't gotten married yet and like oh, most of my ready, family buddy. weddings i was young mm-hmm. so like I'm, I'm still like a bit of a wedding rookie and i'm not gonna lie man i actually like turned to claire at one point my girlfriend and just said like i think this is my home this is my element, man. <laughs> I work the room like a master. I'm just like a morale guy. Like I'll see like Aunt Kathy sitting over alone at the table and I'm like, "I am just going to go talk to her for 5 minutes." And then I'm just killing it with jokes with her. And then I'll be like, "Oh, song comes on. All right, Claire, let's go do a slow dance." You know, and just like I'm, I am I am the morale guy. I was like cuz I was the one guy like in the family who wasn't like in the wedding party, so I was like mm-hmm. kind of operating as like the what extra duty do you need because I know you guys are about to melt down with stress. So I was like yeah. the the helpful clubhouse guy, like the utility man who's just like, yeah, I'll go grab that for you. So I was just I think I'm the I'm the morale guy. I really feel like I thrived in that setting and I think I want to go to more weddings now. If you want to invite me to your wedding, it's only a two thousand a wedding fee and I will come entertain. Um, but what kind of wedding guy that's are
0: you? That's cheap. That's cheap. I appreciate it. I was yeah, just going to say, rate. you sound like Bruce Bowen for the Spurs hitting threes in the corner. Like, do we do we need a guy to pass out to while we worry about our intro dances? Like, And you're just hitting jokes from the corner. Yeah, the
1: like corner you're, you're not guy. building
0: your team around me.
1: Of course not. But you're going to look back on a 31-win season the year I go to free agency, and you're like, ah, shoot, yeah, I think we kind of needed him. And I think that's who I am.
0: Big trade deadline acquisition. Bernie Miller, wedding <laughs> guest. It's kind of what I was at this wedding, so I love that. Yeah, who are you at weddings? Uh, I am. I am kind of the same guy. I am. a- I was gonna say uh, we have similar
1: demeanors, man. We're both.
0: Yeah, partners. but but I it's it's so fascinating that you haven't been to a wedding before or like I've many been to weddings. weddings just I, I know few not like many because, because like yeah. you're about to enter the zone. I'm know, I'm about I'm fast, about to turn man. 32 and like, I mean, COVID was its own thing, but it it is a spate. So get ready. You're going you're going to hone that I yeah, I am the same guy. I uh, it's interesting. People get worried about getting uh, too drunk at weddings or you know, <laughs> imbibing too much and to me, I am always dancing so much and I'm moving around the room so much that it just all like sweats out of me at some point, especially in in wow. New Orleans where it's like I'm, glad you I'm said getting that. I'm getting a drink and I'm like, "Oh, am I even do I even feel this?" Like I've Dude. had 7 drinks and I don't feel it.
1: Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's like I was so active. Yeah, well put. I was so active that actually I'm like, again, not we're really, like, talking about boozing, like we're out, like. But it's like I didn't really, I didn't feel like I actually drank that much because like I actually was just like doing stuff and yeah. So I, I, I think you nailed it. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at. So maybe the note is, do we need to drink more at weddings?
0: Uh, you know what? That's a slippery slope. Let's not do that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to like that- put
1: that on. I don't want that in the transcript because I'll be thrown back in my face <laughs> at a later date. But it's it's in the back of my mind. I don't know.
0: You'll you'll figure it out, you know, just like Durante Jones and Jake Peets, you know, you're figuring out your guys, you're figuring out your players, you're figuring out your moves, figuring out your best coverages, um, and you're going to get better going forward, wedding to wedding, you know, you got to put your head down, you got to watch the tape, and you got to learn from it. That
1: reminds me, another quick thing, I feel like my strategy is, don't dance a lot, but really own the show in the few moments you dance. Disagree, disagree. You, you just want to be just on the floor you gotta, all night.
0: You got to own the floor. Yeah.
1: I think I know there's like a limitation on one, my my stamina and two, my overall arsenal of moves and abilities on the floor aren't that great. So it's like, it's not a deep rotation. So I'm just like, I'm going to have like 30, not literally 30, but you know, like a few main songs where I am just showing out and then I go to the bullpen in the sixth inning with one, one hit, you know, that's, that's, me.
0: that's not a bad way to do. Look, you you have a good game plan going for it. I, I have faith in you. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. the game on Saturday. Uh, I'm sure I will nervously text you during the game and uh, Please do. C- see you next week.